AVXL episode 165 was recorded on December 23rd, 2021. HDMI 2.1A is coming. More LG TV news. Spider-Man is taking home all the money. An audiophile SSD cleaning up your audio collection and so much more. Don't forget to email ask at avxl.com if you've got a question for us. And thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every one of you that supports us at patreon.com slash avxl. Your contributions make this show possible, and we are grateful, especially given we're in the old holiday season. It's the end of the year, and we're looking back on everything that happened. Testing one, two, three. All right. I'm not blowing anything out. Ignorant weasels chewing on your soul. Ignorant weasels. Do you have speed? Yeah. Well, Navy Excel, your guide to the best in home video and audio gear, no matter what your budget is. I'm Patrick Norton. Hey, I am Robert Heron. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Also, we broke out the Christmas collection of uh, cocoa-dusted almonds from Costco that I've been hiding in various places throughout the house to keep them from being eaten. <laughs> Excellent snacking. I am loving the weather right now. We are just getting steady rain for the next few days. It's going to rain all Christmas weekend, and that means we get some moisture in You'll the Bay Area. We get snow in the, the mountains. toilet next summer. Maybe. Best Christmas gift ever. <laughs> it really is. That and the availability of toilet paper. Those two things <laughs> make life pretty good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Life is different oh, now. You ain't kidding. It's better. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, if I don't have to use a composting toilet. Oh, wow. This is a... In theory, a podcast about audio and video and home theater and maximizing your experience. So let us discuss HDMI 2.1A. I saw this story pop up from the good folks at Flat Panels HD, highlighting a new feature that is called source-based tone mapping. And to quote the HDMI.org article, Source-based tone mapping, or SBTM, enables the source to send a video signal that takes full advantage of a display's HDR capability by adjusting its output to take better advantage of each display's potential. As with other HDR technologies, rather than adopt a fixed set of color and brightness ranges, SBTM allows the source to adapt to a specific display. So, if you have an HDR display and it lacks some form of automatic tone mapping, and I'm thinking mostly mm -hmm. of older HDR TVs, most of the HDR PC monitors I see, and many projectors, this new technique being incorporated into HDMI 2.1a is a good thing, I would say. Tone mapping, if you're not aware, is a technique where the display or the source device can tweak the brightness of HDR video to look better on a display, that may not support that maximum brightness level of the content itself as it was authored. This, according to the HDMI group, is being aimed mostly at PC and console gamers. Mm -hmm. The goal being is to provide an optimized HDR experience without as much fiddling around. Now, to illustrate what this SBTM technology can do, the HDMI group provided a single still image of a snowboarder catching some sweet air in a scene that's relatively bright, and it shows significant detail being restored by using SBTM, particularly in the brightest parts of the picture. If you have a TV that performs effectively no tone mapping whatsoever, and you feed it a scene that was authored at very bright levels, it should, to be correct, just simply clip that bright information right out of the picture. So instead of fine details in the snow, you're left with blobs of white. The exact right. same brightness in both pictures. It's simply that there is more detail visible within the SBTM picture. 
I get that this is not supposed to be a replacement for HDR10 or HLG or, or Vision, but it seems like... It's something they can actually add to it. Okay. This spec will not require any new HDMI cable. It will require supported devices on both sides, so source devices in addition to TVs. While every TV could be firmware updated to support this, I'm assuming this is going to have to incorporate some sort of edited information within the TV itself so it can report right. what its maximum brightness is. And if this is the case, this doesn't sound like a dynamic tone mapping system like we currently have with HDR10 Plus or Dolby Vision or some of the advanced machine trained AI systems being used in TVs today to better map that kind of content. Content say that was authored at 4,000 nits, which no consumer TV realistically can do today, and make that right. look good on a TV that maybe can do say 700 to 1500 nits. And I think really for the PC users and the game console users, this is gonna be something that's just kinda nice. Uh, less fiddling around, like I said, Right now, with most Windows setups, you kind of have to know what the brightness is of your PC monitor and then manually set that in order to get good image quality with many of today's titles that take advantage of HDR content on the PC and mm -hmm. likewise with gaming consoles. And like you said, it's not a replacement for HDR or HDR10 or HLG. This is really just an additional technology to add additional capabilities to the system. And hopefully just to make it easier to get max detail out of your display with, like I said, less fiddling around. Less fiddling around is good. <laughs> I certainly hope so. I would really be curious, though, to see if it can somehow incorporate a dynamic tone mapping system of some kind. That would be more, I think, on the display side of it, where uh, it's all kind of guesswork at this point until we see how I was going to say. I mean, they every actually spec, implement like, it somewhere. <laughs> that that part seems like all too often specs are incredibly theoretical until we're actually looking at video. Once the devices actually hit the market, once the firmware is actually released or tweaked so that everything sounds proper. Uh, totally. I would expect this more on things like 2022 devices. Hopefully we'll see right. some word of this being incorporated into PC monitors and TVs. See, that's the part, though. For TVs, so many manufacturers now are going towards something like an automated or a AI-trained tone mapping system already. Right. And... This is really, for me, more for the PC side and probably game console. But even then, most folks are connecting their game consoles to televisions. Although there is a large army of people out there who do connect their game consoles to monitors as well. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully you'll have less fiddling around to get the best detail you can out of that HDR content you're feeding that display. I'm also super curious to see what, if anything, the projector manufacturers do with this. Ah, CES 2022, here we come. Well, <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's going to be there. So this announcement came out a few weeks ago, uh, beginning of December, and I just found out about it. And essentially the AKM uh, DAX uh, Asahi Kasai micro devices are going to go back in production after the three-day fire at their fab last year. And uh, they essentially have an announcement up on the Velvet Sound webpage, uh, velvetsound.akm.com slash US slash EN if you're an English speaker, 
We are preparing to resume the shipment of samples in 2022. Sample shipments have previously been impacted by the fire that occurred in October of 2020 at our semiconductor plant in Nobioka, Miyazaki, Japan. Details will be announced in January of 2022. Cool. This impacted a lot of audio companies, including uh, the crew I know over at JDS Labs, who had like a year supply of DACs that they gave to another audio company that did not have DACs and would not have been able to redesign their products around the new DAC, but uh, this is this is good. They make nice DACs, uh, and it's nice their uh, fab is up and running. That was a brutal fire. Uh-huh. <laughs> and considering it was only a year ago, it's good to see them rebounding so quickly. That's yeah. just fantastic Especially given news. how hard equipment has been to get uh, in the last year. Crazy news. Spider-Man No Way Home has officially made more in its opening weekend than any COVID-19 release has in total, right? Shang Li and the Legend of the Ten Rings is, uh, I think the Hollywood Reporter calls it the pandemic era leader with $224.5 million total. This is crazy. Spider-Man No Way Home had a $260 million weekend. That's the second highest opening of a movie in history after the Avengers Endgame, which took in $356 million total. Um, this is great news, especially for theater owners. Uh, not so great news uh, for other movies because one of the tweets I saw was that somebody's pre-purchased tickets for a movie were getting canceled because the theater wanted to flip that particular theater over to playing um, uh, the new Spider-Man movie rather than the smaller title they were going there to see. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley not doing well in theaters. Spielberg's West Side Story I think dropped 70% between the first and second uh second weekend uh, i want to see them both uh west side story because rita moreno is a boss and i want to see rita moreno do anything including read the phone book nightmare alley looks fascinating i also love uh, the co-chair of sony motion picture group tom rothman who said this weekend's historic results from all over the world and in the face of many challenges reaffirm the unmatched cultural impact that exclusive theatrical films can have when they are made and marketed with vision and resolve. Which I'm going to translate as, oh, thank God we made a ton of cash off that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He sounds happy. Oh, thank God we didn't or... <laughs> save it. If it had been a week later, we would have been screwed because of Omicron. That's um, a, a sigh of relief right there. Yeah. And given how many times, like how many movies we've seen pushed off in 2020 and and again, for example, uh, of a certain movie involving a certain pilot played by a certain Tom Cruise, you know, where it's like it's been pushed out for like two years. Other movies been rushed, other movies having simultaneous release uh, or only being released online. Uh, It's nice to see theaters making some money. Be curious to see how that works out long term. We'll see. Exactly. LG. Indeed. Last week we were talking about LG's likely introduction of the two series OLED panels. Or that might have been a week before even. Anyway, LG is now dropping details left and right about new display products as we head into CES 2022 coming up in January. One product mentioned by the good folks over at Engadget is something called the LG OLED Evo TV Object Collection. And this is effectively, uh, looks to be about a, what is it, a 65-inch screen size that has a custom mm-hmm. sliding cover that nicely conceals the screen when not in use or when only using its 80-watt audio sound system. Now, this whole thing is contained within this metal easel that can be easily leaned against a wall or, I imagine, hung if you want to. 
There are three color options for the fabric cover. And if you want to get some additional customization on, that seems like an ideal candidate. Uh, priced at $8,400 when it went on sale in Korea last week. That's just mm -hmm. kind of interesting to have this mechanical sliding cover. Cover it with art, get the screen out of the way, or at least get it out of sight. Interesting to see if that becomes a popular style or product. But clearly kind of taking some cue at least from what Samsung has done with their whole frame TV line and creating something that's at least a display of art. And the thing itself is kind of cool looking in and of itself. Also, LG is reported to be bringing a 27-inch wireless LCD to CES 2022. The LG Stand By Me. Uh, all one word. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> anyway, the folks over at Extreme Tech wrote up the article detailing how it's potentially having three hours of use between charges. It will be a fully wireless system, of course, that incorporates all of your favorite apps. And this likely could be the ultimate bathroom TV, having it just on a little... Uh, what do they call it? A portable lump stick of a display. <laughs> it's like an IV bag roller, except Pretty it's much. sculpted and there's a TV. You know, it's a TV on a stick. <laughs> Pretty much. That's cool. I always like to see those kind of things as well. And LG has announced earlier this week that they have updated their ultra-fine OLED Pro monitor series. Uh, they incorporated a new 27-inch size. They also have a new hardware-software calibration tool system to maintain its pixel perfection no pricing has been announced but these are premium displays that typically start in about the four thousand dollar range and i will be curious to see exactly what hardware they're going to include with this calibration tool that they're going to be including with their latest gen oled pro monitor pretty cool <laughs> pretty cool tell me about the chair tell me about the chair i <laughs> in another thing that popped up related to lg it's all the OLED rage this week, anyway. Uh, the good folks over at The Verge are reporting that LG is bringing a reclining curved OLED throne to CES this year. This is a product that they are working on with an unnamed Korean massage chair company to bring it to market maybe someday. The pod itself looks kind of cool in the way it can recline quite easily. It looks like basically a, a large cylinder with part of it sliced out. And you're kind of just sitting in a chair on one side. You've got the display in front of you. Of course, it's an LG OLED in this case, a 55-inch model. It seems like you could have just about any kind of display there you would want. But, of course, since it's an LG-branded device, you're going to have the OLED tech right there. But, hey, if you're going to buy curve. the uh, ultimate massage <laughs> chair, you could have it with a beautiful 55-inch curved OLED display built right in. It's got a big seat and sort of an armrest and a big curved monitor you stare at. And it reminds me of some of those giant LED flat panel gaming machines you see on the as you're speedily trying to find your hotel room. Right. Or even like a prototype for maybe a, a seating arrangement within an airplane or something. Eh, granted, this is the same company that has the $100,000 roll-up TV that you can buy right. right now. And of course, there's no mark as to what kind of price we're talking about for a display like this. In the article, they also highlight some other ways to utilize OLED technology. In a sense, creating a curved, a physically bent screen that sort of envelops you as you ride upon your exercise bike. And it incorporates three 55-inch curved 4K TVs to create right. this giant wraparound, basically wraparound in an overhead direction. So you could even look up a little bit Either way, these things look cool. I'll be curious to see if any of them actually come to market in the end. <laughs> Anywhere. It's eye candy for sure, but 
Jeez. <laughs> and then perhaps the final little LG note of the week was that they had announced their S95 QR wireless soundbar system for 2022. 9.1.5 soundbar featuring, quote, the world's first up-firing center channel. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing because we were talking about what we were expecting at CES on Daily Tech News Show. And I was laughing because I, I told Tom, I'm like, well, yeah, you know, Atmos doesn't really have a up-firing or a center channel, down-firing or up-firing. So LG claims it makes dialogue more clear while well, the dialogue supposed to be on the center channel. So I'm kind of really curious, you know, how this sounds in real life. I was actually much more excited that they, they had distinct front and rear, left and right up-firing Atmos channels. Because that's, I think, going to make a much bigger difference in your quality audio experience. From looking at the article, it appears those rear channels have also been upgraded compared to last year as well, featuring yeah. a, a wider soundstage. And by adding that upfiring center channel to the existing center channel, it also is just widening that sweet spot in a sense for right. getting those effect channels and those effects themselves blasted around the room and hopefully in a very compelling way pricing to be announced be nice. yeah but i can't wait to see this actually put up against some of the premium soundbar kits out there right now i think lg is looking to get back into the game on the premium side against right. the entrenched winners that seem to be there every year like your sonos and your samsung and your bose and, your, and vizio oh good golly so if they can <laughs> if they can get it in there and get it sounding right it's gonna be fan fantastic i think just more good options for all of us i'm shocked oh shocked youtube tv had a big scare or at least youtube tv users they lost well everything disney owns <laughs> as they negotiated a streaming channel and then after a few days absence and reduction in price they got it back i was laughing you said you had to remind yourself that disney owns espn and then i went through and it's espn the oh, local yeah. abc channel ABC News Live, Disney Channel, Disney Junior, Disney XD, Freeform, FX, FXX, FXM, Nat Geo, Nat Geo Wild, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN3, ESPNU, ESPN News, the SEC Network, the ACC Network, and I really want to make a joke about the Ocho, which is a very particular ESPN joke. That mouse owns a lot. I was wondering, did they raise the price back up uh, after their temporary reduction, and how does that work? As far as I know, at least according to the statements they sent us for our service, if you were offered that discount, you're going to get it, even though the price will go back up to right. almost, almost immediately. But if you were promised that discount, it looks like they're going to stick with that rather than say, oops, uh, <laughs> no, thank you. We're taking that back. That would cause probably more problems than it's worth. We've said it before, disputes between these providers and the content owners, I think this right. is just going to be a regular event going forward, or at least every two to three years when they need to renegotiate. Yeah. At least if it involves Google or Amazon or Roku or... Yeah. <laughs> but it was... Apple. Pretty shocking, yeah, to wake up and then go, you know what? Because Disney's not there, suddenly, Boom. Uh, a lot of yeah. the sports programming suddenly disappeared as well in the house. So, yeah, oh uh, I'm glad to see it back. Something I did not expect to see, Emotiva, 
we're fans. They've they've done some really spectacular speakers. They do some some audio gear we've enjoyed. Uh, we talked about some of their first uh, set of headphones earlier this year. They have a pre-order open for a thousand dollars now for their BaseX MC1 13.2 channel Dolby Atmos and DTSX Cinema processor. So it's a 13.2 channel. AV surround sound processor, uh, 4K UHD video, HDR, Dolby Vision, enhanced uh, ARC, and uh, all the Atmos and DTSX immersive sound you can handle from as many speakers as you're likely to have. So this is the processor, right? Uh, you need amps to, to power your speakers. Uh, so this does the processing. It sends the signal out to the amps. The amps power your speakers. So this is essentially an AVR minus the amplifiers. That's what they call them, a, a surround sound processor. For perspective, uh, Emotiva's XMC2 is a 16-channel processor they offer for $3,200. Their flagship, which is the RMC1, which is a 16-channel Atmos and DTSX cinema processor, sells for $5,000. Uh, I thought it was kind of fascinating to see them do a, a more entry-level or affordable surround sound processor. So... We will see when that actually ships. I've always loved those kind of products. It's like, you know, I, yeah. I just want something to do the sound processing. I will deal with the amplification on an individual yeah. level or to my own custom yeah. level. And these, or are if you already own amps and you've been like, oh, I'm, you know, these surround sound processors are so expensive. This is an opportunity to, to upgrade your system. 13.2 so. channels. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. I like it. And 16, I'm like, what would I do with 16 channels of processing? I'm like, oh, ignore five channels at least. <laughs> oh, I'd be on a speaker buying binge <laughs> looking for any space on the ceiling or the walls to add more and more. Can I individually tune four subwoofers? Of course. I can have more ponies. Oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. Patreon.com slash AVXL is where you can go to get more AVXL from us. Uh, it's simple. You you do a monthly contribution. You get access to our Hangouts and other activities. I've said it before, today, even in this podcast. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons at Patreon.com slash AVXL. We really appreciate your contributions. You make the show possible. So many of you emailed or tweeted me about this. It's a great article. Uh, good write-up. Uh, by Aaron Klotz and Paul Alcorn on Tom'sHardware.com. The title is Solid Snake Oil Storage. This SSD is aimed at audiophiles. Essentially, someone was posting uh, on an audiophile forum that they were had been developing this custom SSD to improve audio quality. I'm just going to say this. I have a friend that is very, very deeply involved in testing and the storage industry, especially around SSD performance. He's an audio geek, too. He wouldn't even dignify this thing with a response. Um, it has giant capacitors, like all audiophile products should have. It's an SSD, people. They use an interesting arrangement to designed to sort of optimize certain aspects of performance. And I will say, technically, this is more of an experimented floatum and floated in the, the forms in a product. But, you know, it's got a terabyte of 3D TLC flash, but it only has 333 gigabytes of usable storage capacity because of how it's configured. This is not going to impact your sound. This is another product targeted at people that have a lot of money. Yeah. It's, I'm yeah. just going to leave it there. <laughs> Solidly it's... in that same category as the... yeah. The audiophile right. router we talked about a week or so ago, or in the yeah, previous episodes. Uh, this stuff's not going away, um, you know. Uh, but it's uh, I, I, it, at this point, it, it's it's almost become amusing to watch what weird and peculiar 
thing will come out next. Like, what? They did, did they say lot? how much they were charging or asking for this particular no. product? Okay. This okay. was, I think this was an experiment that somebody floated to see whether or not there was a lot of enthusiasm around it. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Our, our specially stored zeros and ones will totally, our, our special storage system for your zeros and ones will totally make a more 3D image than yours. I, I just, I can't. No. <laughs> I just can't. Save more, your money for a good NVMe drive and put as many in your computer your money as you can. Bigger NVMe drive. Yes. We got a good uh, question from Maurice. He posted on patreon.com slash ABXL. I have a question about tidying up my music collection. What tool or software do you recommend for consolidating a music collection? Over the years, I've built up a great library of tracks, but in some cases have accumulated multiple versions of the same song with mixed up meta info and varying music quality from 128 kilobits per second all the way up to FLAC, etc. Thanks. Uh, first of all, I want to say, do us a favor, email uh, askingavxl.com with what you use to play your audio you know, if you have tools you use to, you know, manage your music collection or anything like that. Um, in Maurice's case, I'd say DB Power Amp's Perfect Tunes might uh, be well worth the money. It's essentially a whole collection of applications designed to manage your music collection. It will help you improve the quality of your album art or find the album art you're missing. It does ID tags and editing of metadata. It's got Accurate Rip, which is their tool for lossless tracks to verify that you have a clean uh, a rip that lacks errors. Um, they have Dedupe, which removes duplicate tracks, which in your case, Maurice, might be incredibly helpful. Um, I also want to mention something uh, cool that came out in Rune 1.8. They did a, a, a big redesign of the, of the viewing system and the tools in their versions, or I should say, you know, in the versions. Um, so it makes it easier to compare different editions of your favorite albums in your music library, uh, Rokobas or Tidal, which is a little different than what Maurice is dealing with. But for example, if you're looking at an album like The Beach Boys, um, Pet Sounds, I think I've seen somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 different versions of that album, depending on whether it's mono or stereo, the release date, the remastering date, you know, some Japanese or European version that they maybe remastered the album or, or did a different set of tracks or something. So uh, if you're in that kind of an audio management issue where you're like, oh, I have 17 different versions of this Shostakovich symphony, you know, something like Rune 1. You know, Rune, the latest version is 1.8, uh, could help you manage that. Very so, cool. The other thing I should give a shout out about is Volumio just released their 3.0 version, and I'm playing around with that, and they did a big rewrite on that, and that is uh, that is a uh, audio management tool that is uh, free. They have a premium version that adds more features, but we'll talk about uh, more about that in the future tyler aka t bradbury tweeted out at avxl any technical improvements with lg oleds in regards to color banding very noticeable on my 65 inch c7 with heavy red scenes plenty of ambient light 99 percent of the time since moving to projector in the home theater with c7 in the living room is qled the answer it could be <laughs> if that's what you want to do uh, a c7 is a pretty old oled at this point i I, right. I hate to say it and if you think about how sony waited a couple of years before they introduced their version of the oled i think it really had something to do with the banding artifacts that were pretty prevalent in the earlier oled designs 
Uh, one of the movies, The Martian, actually, is used almost consistently. There's a certain scene in there which features that orange sky. And within that sky, it is very easy to trigger banding artifacts if they're potentially going to be visible on a particular display. I will say, going from the C7 to the C8 to the C9 I own and looking how even the C9 up to the C1 changed, uh, every year these TVs get better. And in particular, things like the black level and how well that's represented and how cleanly that's represented is something that's been improved. The technologies and techniques for minimizing banding artifacts is another one which every year seems to get a little bit better. And I would say nowadays it is not the issue it used to be, particularly looking back, say, at least five years in OLED technology. Now, if I was dealing with a brighter room or I needed, you know, a bright TV display or something that's super robust for maybe relatively static content, like something with a ticker at the bottom or a game console running HDR content constantly, then I would look at something like a QLED display. Something like that QN90A from Samsung is a fantastic display that I put kind of head to head with the C1 in terms of uh, what kind of room is it and what are you dealing with in terms of either viewing positions or the content. I'll always say that LCDs generally are going to be a more robust display, but the newer OLEDs compared to the previous OLEDs, yeah, you've described a lot of the issues, at least Tyler did, uh, that have been directly addressed incrementally, I would say, over the years, but it has never <laughs> looked better than it has in these, in these latest generations of LG's OLED technology. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what happens with the QD OLED technology that Samsung is purported to be unveiling here in a couple weeks at CES. We wait with bated breath. <laughs> That's one other thing, too, with OLED screens versus something like a QLED screen is mm -hmm. reflectivity. Samsung has all but perfected an anti-reflective screen surface for their display systems. There are QLED TVs in particular, and the better ones at that. If you are dealing with any kind of significant room light reflections where you can, uh, do you want a screen that is more mirror-like or less, then yeah, QLED's going to be the answer there as well. That's the other kind of usage case. And that kind of ties back into the room lighting scenario. If you generally right. watch TV during the day, I find that, or in just a brightly lit room, I find the extra punch you get out of a modern QLED or just a decent quantum dot enhanced LCD television can generally uh, provide a little more, usually bang for the buck or just simply make it look better for that particular space. There you have it. Bill says, I'm sitting in the hospital with COVID going over old episodes. Let's hope I'm out soon. Dude, get better soon. Uh, he emailed AskDaveXL.com and said, I'm wondering if you've seen or heard Shure's Aonic 215 TW2 True Wireless Sound Isolating Earbuds with Bluetooth 5. Man, that's a that's an Amazon-friendly name if ever I've heard one. <laughs> Man. He says, uh, I've always had a wired pair of Shure in-ear monitors around here, and I like them. Lacking in bass, but not really their purpose. These seem interesting though in terms of wireless plus quality. Thoughts? Merry Christmas, Bill. Uh, Bill, hopefully you're out of the hospital by the time you hear this. Uh, we hope you're feeling well. 
I have not heard this particular iteration of Shure's uh, 215, nor have I heard their Bluetooth attachments that loop over your ear. They had kind of a, a Bluetooth problem, redid the product, released this one. People seem pretty happy with it. Um, the nice thing about Shure's uh, in-ears is because they kind of come out of their professional sound environment, uh, they've always had replaceable cables on them, at least the ones I've seen. So these plug into their tiny little uh, cable sockets. So one thing you might think about is you could pick up a pair of these uh, wireless Bluetooth 5 adapters for the Shure earbuds that you already own, most likely. That would be the True Wireless Secure Fit Adapter Gen 2. Uh, and I thought that was a good idea right up until I saw the, the, the price was $190, given that the Aonic 215 sells for $229 with the <laughs> wireless adapters. So that's uh, food for thought there. Uh, makes me wonder whether or not uh, the 215 is... So there's some price elasticity in there, and I think they're just picking up some extra money on the uh, the true wireless secure fit adapter Gen 2. Uh, secure fit uh, refers to the ear loops. If you're not a big fan of ear loops, you're not going to like the wireless or the true wireless 215s. Um, my ears are a little big for them, but 32 hours of battery life is incredibly tempting. Uh, that's a lot of battery life nice. for a true wireless in ear. Um, I've seen uh, Sound Guys has some measurements for the Aonic 215. You know, there's not a huge amount of sub bass, but there's a, a decent amount of bass. It starts tapering off in the bass towards the sub bass. It's not the worst drop I've seen, but it's certainly well below what the Harman curve is looking for. I'm a little more concerned. It has a five decibel spike around 5,000 hertz. That might be harsh. It might sound okay. It's really going to depend a lot on your eardrums and your personal taste. So, Bill, if you can get those a chance to listen to those, um, you know, or if you pick them up from a place that will allow you to return them if you don't like them, I'd say give them a shot. Uh, you know, sure does a lot of good stuff. Uh, I've been more impressed with their professional stuff and some of their consumer stuff, but that's also based around my experience with the Anak 50 uh, over-ear wireless headphones, which were... A little beyond too boomy in my experience. So good luck, sir, and good. get well soon. Good to know. Bruce posted on patreon.com slash AVXL. I wanted to ask if you guys know anything about the spatial audio offerings from Embody as my favorite game, Final Fantasy XIV, recently started offering one as a paid edition. It seems hard to believe submitting a picture of your ear could result in more immersive audio with headphones. I'm curious to hear what you think about a product like this. Thanks a bunch for the show. Keep up the great work. And he has a, a link to embody.co, which has the uh, Final Fantasy XIV uh, mod for this. Um, this particular flavor of spatial audio is totally new to me. There's two or three different varieties you can pick up, including one from Dolby and one from Razer that run on Windows. I got to say, spatial audio, especially for 3D gaming, is very much a I like this or I don't like this. It's an incredibly personal experience. Um, Third-party systems can screw up the game soundtrack. We've seen that with, with certain headphones that are designed to create more spatial audio or more you know, realistic 3D audio. Right. Uh, and I bring that up especially because in one, a friend of mine had one particular experience where um, the way it tweaked the audio he was just getting fragged left and right because he thought, for example, based on the sound, normally somebody would have been 50 yards away and he could have stood up and shot them, but they turned out to be right next to him and he got stabbed and he was incredibly ticked off about that. 
it's a little frustrating, right? Because the game designers work very, very specifically to create environments that work for 2D audio. And if you lay 3D processing over that, it can be problematic. So I really like to see that this game is being developed uh, or, or that the, the spatial audio for this uh, game was developed with the developers, the folks making the game. Um, so the ear measurements... I'm not going to dig too far into this, but essentially ear measurements are, are one component of HRTF or head-related transfer functions. More often I've seen folks that are trying to measure the distance between your ears. Let me quote Wikipedia here to sort of shorten things up. A head-related transfer function is a response that characterizes how an ear receives a sound from a point in space. A sound strikes the listener the size and shape of the head, ears, ear canal, density of the head, size and shape of the nasal and oral cavities all transform the sound and affect how it is perceived, boosting some frequencies and attenuating others. Generally speaking, the HRTF boosts frequencies from 2 to 5 kilohertz with a primary resonance of plus 17 decibels at 2700 hertz, but the response curve is a more common complex and a single bump affects a broad frequency spectrum and varies significantly from person to person. Case in point, uh, Headphonesty or Headphonesty, uh, they did a great article talking, uh, wherein they talked about how problematic binaural recordings were for them. And because of their head shape was so radically different from the head shape used on head dummies for binaural recordings. Uh, in other cases, I've heard headphone manufacturers say, well, we need to actually know the distance between your ears because that allows us to create a more realistic experience, right? Because you use two point sources of hearing, your left and right ear, to pinpoint things in space in front of you. It's right. the bird is up there, the bird is down there, the dog is over there, the cat is behind me. And they sense those things because your your brain has the ability to take the difference the sound hits your right ear and then it hits its left ear with this amount of delay and several other, you know, features, uh, it, it is able to put a sound in space. This is all incredibly complicated. A lot of it's barely understood. I think it was like Dan Clark, a.k.a. Mr. Speakers, who I heard him discussing with a group of people at CanJam how the different size of the pinnae or the part of your ear that sticks outside of your head would impact the sound inside his headphones because different ears of different sizes occupy different volumes inside of the headphone and that will change the sound, right? All this comes back to everybody hears differently. Any kind of spatial audio has so many variables going on. You never know what's going to work, what's not going to work. I've heard of much weirder things than people asking you to take a picture of your ears and <laughs> sending it in. But I'll, I'm going to oh, reach man. out to Embody and, and see what they have to say. You know, And I'll, I will also say, uh, Bruce, if you test this out, email us and let us know what you think. So I'm always curious how it works out because there's a lot of miserable pseudo 3d audio surround spatial audio headphone things a lot of them suck some of them are okay and let us know uh you know could it improve your gaming experience absolutely could it disappoint you horrendously yep. absolutely <laughs> that would be my guess as someone who's tested out quite a few of the 3d audio enhancements you can add to at least a windows computer I have never right. found one that I actually thought did a better job than the game engine itself delivering just solid stereo. Yeah. Nowadays, many of the games I look at incorporate presets for not only headphones or home theater, or it is simply good to go into those settings and experiment a little bit. Maybe the headphone for a reasonable pair of headphones isn't the best preset. Maybe you're better off right. with the studio grade mix of that particular game. 
it's good to go into those settings and actually experiment if those controls are offered. Try all the presets they offer. I often find that the quote-unquote home theater preset is honestly usually the best one if it doesn't have a good dedicated <laughs> headphone preset for your particular game. But I've never, not with any of these products, ever felt like, oh, this is so much better right. than what the game itself can actually deliver. It's doing something better than the game itself was doing natively. I look to be proven wrong, and it is actually good to see one of these companies working directly with right. a game developer. I'd be curious to know exactly what that deal is, but, you know, anyway. <laughs> if you have a decent pair of headphones, do right. check out some of the games nowadays, especially on the PC side of things. It's some wonderful audio options, I find, and I'm often surprised at uh, slight tweaks that can either make your experience even more detailed or at least better optimized for the way you hear and it is there is there for you to take advantage of i often find that at least in the games i'm messing with lately it seems like the headphone mix is often just a little louder and hmm. maybe it lacks a little bit of the dynamic range that maybe the home theater mix has or the studio right. raw mix so to speak that's something i wish was a little more Oh, a little more obvious, I guess, within the games to see how exactly they are configuring these. Some titles have really interesting graphs they show you for the different mixing they're doing for particular game audio right. presets. But you kind of wonder if that's just there just to look good rather than being an actual representation of what they're doing to that audio in particular. That's why I say simply try all of the presets, see which one really sounds best to you. I would love to see a good third-party 3D audio system. Sure. That works with my current headphones. <laughs> but I, I honestly, I don't really feel a need for it. I find that positional right. information being delivered to me through my decent stereo headphones is frankly amazing when it's done right. It's kind of a game per game basis or maybe an engine per engine basis in terms right. of how well or not that audio is being processed for your enjoyment. But either way, I'm not a fan of these products. So I'm, I'm looking to see someone prove me wrong. <laughs> It's it's always nice when when you know I'm trying to extend the possibility and you're like they're all messed and the truth is Rob's right they're all messed and if you want to have a better surround sound gaming experience you should fire up your home theater <laughs> system and game totally. in the home theater um, especially if it's Dolby Atmos version of the soundtrack for the game exactly and if you've been in the audiophile side of things for any length of time and you've gone to a lot of work to find the great pair of headphones for you that's where then you would like to use these on some of these systems without any third party tools or whatever mucking up yeah. what the developer's trying to deliver you i mean if this technology was truly as great as it sounds quote unquote uh it, you think the game developer would buy it immediately and just incorporate it for everyone as a preset check marked option but Hey, who knows? Again, I don't know what this deal well, was. Uh, maybe it is. It's 20 bucks. There you go. You the can worst get you can do is think, gosh, I could have bought a bottle of vodka instead. <laughs> or a pair of those sweet monoprice headphones for 15 bucks. And start there. If you don't already have something like that. Anyway. Oh, my goodness. What are you watching this week? I'm about to fire up Netflix and get my Witcher Season 2 on. I am... Look, that's just something I always have fun watching. I enjoy that kind of content and the characters in that show. That's high on my list. Also, the new Matrix movie is out on HBO Max, and I saw the roommate trying to watch it. Poor guy actually fell asleep halfway through it, so I don't... 
I, res- I, I, I am doing my best to not hear anything about it or see anything. And I just, I, I just want to sit down quietly and watch it intensely <laughs> and get that out of my system. But uh, I've been waiting for a, a time where I can watch it with the sound up uh, without yeah. being interrupted. I'm also curious to see what the quality is for HBO Max. Are they actually delivering anything in HDR or 4K? Or is this just the cheesiest 1080p stream I can get? I'll dig into that when I get to it. But It's that... not going to be the cheesiest 4K or cheesiest 1080p stream you can get. Because, you know, I, I, I gosh, what was I watching? Something on Amazon Prime. It makes me want the on, disc uh... all the more. Oh my goodness! I was really frustrated watching something. I can't remember if it was on HP or excuse me, not uh, it was on Amazon Prime or if it was on um, Showtime. But I just remember being like, "Wow, this may be the single worst transfer of a movie I've seen this year." Some titles are available on HBO Max in 4K, including The Matrix, The Matrix Reloaded, The Matrix Revolutions, and The Matrix Resurrection. Resurrections. All right. But, uh, they have a very the very very small list of 4k hdr titles currently on hbo max but it's a start we watched the uh, season finale of hawkeye which was nothing i expected and uh, everything i expected but that was uh, that was a fun one to watch with the kids and nice. uh, man hbo succession what a cliffhanger what a beast of a <laughs> just it's so there's not one single decent human being well there may be one or two decent human beings in that series but boy talk about people behaving badly <laughs> there we go <laughs> i sometimes so get very frustrated really with shows acting. like that though and characters where i'm yeah. like okay why am i watching such a terrible person religiously <laughs> <laughs> it's affecting oh. me personally hey uh yeah that's a bad place to be <laughs> exactly hey, i had a quick follow-up on that aircraft flight tracking with a raspberry pi i was talking about the other week and it is a terrific way of getting your feet wet setting up and configuring a raspberry pi with a software defined radio that i failed to mention that whole part of it also if you're having problems finding a raspberry pi but you can get a hold of the software defined radio you can connect that to your personal computer with tons of cool free software out there to do all sorts of things including plane tracking I also did take a quick look at the marinetraffic.com website. If I ever thought that air traffic was congested and seemed kind of busy, take a look at ship traffic on marinetraffic.com. It is at least an order of magnitude greater. It is amazing how many more things there are floating around out on the ocean, of course. I mean, this is common sense, but then flying around up in the sky. Uh, (laughs) Also, if you happen to pick up that SDR or your Raspberry Pi... Uh, well, at least with the Raspberry Pi, they are just about perfect for emulating a classic game console and recreating that experience on a nice portable dedicated system. I, for my SDR radio use, I also scan the airwaves locally here for interesting broadcasts and weirdos out there to, uh, give a good listen to the nice thing about an SDR radio, that software defined radio it's receive only. So you don't need a license or anything to listen. Uh, feel free and spin that dial and pick up some interesting content, be it your, uh, (laughs) I'll just leave it there. There are many interesting things to dig into on that. Beyond that, if you want something kind of funny, and we were talking about how to make basically a smart TV, a not smart TV or a not so smart TV, the good folks over at Cracked, 
on YouTube in their YouTube channel have a wonderful video. I highly recommend looking up about <laughs> smart TVs and the quote unquote personal espionage slab that we all uh, seem to be addicted to. Be it the one you carry around in your pocket or the large and improved version you have maybe sitting on a stand or hanging on the, <laughs> hanging on the wall. Anyway, <laughs> it is a it is a short, fun video to watch, and it is it is funny and true and sad and terrible all at the same time, and I I love it for that. That was pretty it's a beautiful cool. thing. I've seen it. Tweet at Robert Heron at Patrick Norton at AVXL or at AVXL. This time with consonants. Uh, if you need a hashtag, hashtag AskAVXL works for us. As always, email ask at avxl.com if you've got a question for us. And if we don't catch you before the end of the year, hey, happy New Year's, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa. We hope it has all been most wonderful for you. I'm Patrick Norton. I am Robert Heron. We'll catch you next week on AVXL. <laughs>